This episode is powered by Waggle. Waggle is an agile and comprehensive employee voice platform and truly improves engagement. Thank you. Um, hello and welcome to the Employee Engagement Zone, uh, the podcast brought to you by the Employee Engagement Awards and Alliance. Uh, our deadline in North America, despite what's going on in the world, is April the 15th, uh, two weeks, just under two weeks' time. Uh, we might be doing a small extension for that, but keep posted on our website and our newsletters. Um, today, uh, it's an honour to have this person on our podcast I've been a follower of his for a long time, um, and uh, I'd just like to welcome Robert Glazer. He is the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, uh, which is a global marketing agency and the recipient of numerous industry and company culture awards, including Glassdoor's Employee Choice Awards two years in a row. He's also an author uh, of the inspirational newsletter Friday Forward, which I receive at 7 a.m. on the dot every Friday. Uh, and we'll be mentioning in our podcast uh, in a little while. Author for the Wall Street Journal and US and US Today bestseller Elevate, which is on my shelf. Um, he is sought after speaker by companies and organisations around the world. Like I said, it's an honour to have us on our podcast as well as his own Elevate podcast. Please welcome Robert Glazer. Hello, Robert. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, Robert, you're the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, or AP. Um, tell me a bit about the company and, and what you do. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what we do, and I'll probably give you an example since that never seems to do it for anyone. Um, <laughs> but, but we are a global partner and affiliate marketing agency, so we help companies set up and run affiliate marketing programs, which are essentially when a brand works with uh, some sort of publisher or content site online, and rather than paying them for a click or paying for impression, um, they make their catalog and their assets available. Everything is tracked, and then they're paid uh, on a on an outcome basis, whether that's a percentage of revenue for a lead or or otherwise. So um, we do that for some large brands. Um, you know, an example of how that might work is uh, you know you have a podcast, and then you do the write up after, uh, and then you talk about my book, and you could join Amazon's affiliate program, and then you could link to my book through their affiliate program. And when you sold if, uh, sold a copy of it, you would you would get a percentage. So it's a way to bring brands and sort of um, people that have attention and content uh, together in, in a model that's really win win. Okay, uh, and how long how long have you been doing that? Uh, about thirteen years. Um, we started um, probably about ten years. We've really been 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 doing affiliate and partner. We did some other stuff along the way. Um, but about five years ago, we stopped doing everything else and just focused on really becoming kind of the, the, the go-to people in this space. So we're going to get to different elements of the world that we're currently living in and about to go into. Um, but I think one, one point that was, was pretty, really pertinent to, to, to now is, as, as a company, you started as a remote company, I believe, with a small team, stayed remote even as it's grown to over 150 employees, you know. How how did you do that? Somebody who runs a remote company, interested anyway, but I think it's very, very pertinent right now. Yeah, so it's interesting. We started in the US out of necessity. Um, I think for particularly people in the UK or Europe, I think they they sort of forget and we see companies like there's how like the, the US is is almost the geographical footprint of of Europe. So 
in a niche industry, trying to concentrate talent was really hard. We would find people who worked in our industry. We'd have to find them where they were. So it was kind of a, a necessity. I also had little kids at the time, and I liked the flexibility. Uh, I don't love being in traffic all day long. So we started at necessity. We kind of thought we would grow into office or flex office space. And then we started to figure out the type of people who liked that, that it worked well with our model. Um, and in a client service model works really well. But we're all on the same page. Um, so it forces us to have systems and programs that um, really like don't leave anything to chance. Like I, when I started my first job, I, I, I showed up and they were like, oh, he's starting today. Uh, why don't you go, go follow around Matt uh, and, and see what he's doing? You know, our onboarding program, I think is world-class because it has to be, it has to account for every hour of every day for the first two weeks. We were early on video. I think every call has been video for the last five to seven years since Zoom first came out. Um, so we, I, I think it's, I've heard from a lot of people that actually feel more connected in this company because we're forced to be intentional about, about how we do things. We're also client service. So those teams that work together on the programs, they, they are, they, they see each other, they go out to clients, they're at conferences together. Um, I say it kind of works like the military a little bit where like, we have one ethos as a company. We train. We do a lot of things together. But you operate kind of with your unit ninety percent of the time. And for most people, their unit is what determines you know their their overall level of satisfaction. So, um, what do you think the keys to building a healthy, high performing remote culture are? You need a lot of communication. You need a lot of systems and processes. I mean, we have learning management, we, we are over-systematized. Uh, I mean, if people looked again at our, our onboarding program, I think it would be, you know, stronger than most companies, a lot bigger our size. Um, so, so we just, we have a way of doing everything and, and it's kind of a balance. We always say like anything can be improved, but, and you can bring an improvement, but, but we have a system and a process. I, I think video has been huge. I think finding those times to get together. The one other thing that's kind of unique about us is that we actually, we, when we decided when we would have this event every year where we brought everyone in and it got really hard having everyone anywhere. And we actually decided a few years ago that, that the strategy we were going to pursue was called a hub strategy because we, we felt in-person interviews were really important and we felt the teams wanted to get together. They just didn't necessarily want to commute uh, an hour a day. So, so we ended up picking cities and, and decided within three years to get 80 to 90% of our, our teams within those hub cities um, so, so actually, people are geographically located around these cities. We don't really hire people anywhere because a couple times a year, our president or myself will also go to all of these hubs in one week, and he's able to meet with the whole company. So, so that that has helped. It's, it's actually hard to hire people everywhere, and we've also found that while video interviewing is great for the first round, that in-person interview for most people has has been kind of a make-or-break moment as a final interview. Yeah, I, I, you'll never replace it, um, which I, I think is a, it's a good thing. Um, talk, talking about talking about we're a remote team. Uh, I had a, a previous business to this one and tried tried the whole office thing, and it just doesn't suit with sit with me. I've I've been employed before and hated the commuting. So all the all the things you were saying resonate with me. And we literally have just gone to a, a similar type of thing like the hub. Where we'd have a few passes for uh, an office, the way we like a we work, where we could we could all meet if we wanted to a few times a week and and work out of there, but also stay remote and work from home. Um, and this happened, <laughs> so I think I think the gods are saying don't don't get an office. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so it's interesting. A couple of things. When we launched in London three years ago, our MD was very worried about work from home. It just wasn't something people did in London. And, and we said, okay, that's fine. Like we'll, we'll get a, we work, we'll get a flex space. You know, you can do that. And then pretty soon, you know, all the people said, well, we don't need to come in four days. Well, well maybe one day we, you know, cause they had their hour commute, you know, people can't live in downtown London anymore. And now a bunch of them would tell you they could never go back to, to working in office. And it's, it's interesting to watch in three years how that has gone from sort of taboo to, you know, something that people are, are, are looking for. And and look, I think the biggest thing coming out of this COVID-19 crisis, I, I'm in a bunch of CEO groups and, and, and some of them, and we've had forums and meetings and one of them has said for years, he's like, my biggest fear is that the jig is up and I'm not going to get people back into the office after this is this is over. Uh, and, and I think, look, I think, I don't think everyone's going to go remote, but I, I think with the prices of real estate and people now realizing, you know, fixed assets and I, I, if you have a hundred person company, I'm guessing they might pick a space, you know, for 40 or 50 people and, and, and operate it. I, I, yeah, I would, I wouldn't want to be a landlord of commercial real estate in, in, in very high rent areas right now. No, no, it's just, it's, it, it, it is all changing. Um, but so, so, um, what, what, what's more next? Um, so I suppose one thing I'm very interested in, and uh, I suppose our listeners are as well, you know, in what ways can the remote culture drive better engagement? You know, it's, it's one way operating well, but how can it actually drive better engagement and happiness for employees? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it depends on if you're looking at it and uh, from a holistic basis. You know, we've had some people who, you know, had had two to three hour, you know, commutes. And so what, what, what sacrifice there was their family time, was their exercise time. Uh, and elsewhere. So, you know, the ability to give them, oh, well, now I can do that drop off at eight, you know, 10 with the kids in the morning, because I don't have to be on the train at seven o'clock, and, and I can take my run at five o'clock or do whatever. I, I think you're actually just getting a healthier, more balanced person, which, which I, I and this goes to capacity building in my book, I, I believe in you invest in people holistically, and you get better um, work performance. So I, there's engagement because you like the work and you like what you're doing and the people that you're doing with. But I think part of that comes from feeling like some balance in your life and feeling successful, both, you know, inside and outside of work. So to that point, I think because of the speed of things at the speed of change over the past month, one of the big dangers I always believe is actually that the tipping over into, into the personal life um, with all this new technology, you know, or new, relatively new technology, um, Zoom and uh, Slack, and and you know the increasing use of things like WhatsApp, um, which it, it, you also use for your, with your friends, and that does really blur a line. You know, I say this because our, our own team is now using WhatsApp for some things whilst whilst this is going on. Um, that just feels like it's it, we could be encroaching way in way beyond where we should um because of the remote working and the and the race to use technology and i, I just think how do you how do you strike that balance what kind of boundaries do you put in place so people can say no and can turn off yeah so i i i actually believe that one of the keys to working remotely successfully is clear boundaries um and we've written about this recently i think you need a physical workspace where you leave your laptop and everything. And and now I know people have their kids home and they don't have a choice. But I think psychologically, even if you have a card table in the corner of the room right now, like that needs to be your workspace. And with the kids and mindset saying, hey, I'm in work. And and then you, you go out of it. You don't want to blend it. So, so a couple of things. I think it's really important to 
keep a schedule, keep your diary, put in exercise, put just cause you're home, like put in all the meetings that you should, you, you could, you should normally have or the breaks that you'd want to have, or else it will blur together. Um, keep those physical boundaries of where you do work, don't work, shut off a lot of the notifications and all this stuff. Like I, I retrain people when people are asking me stuff in all these messengers, I'm like, look, messengers to chat. If you need something, it needs to go in email <laughs> because I can't, I, I, I won't find it in LinkedIn messenger, you know, Facebook messenger, what, what, WhatsApp, um, things like Slack, you know, we encourage people to, 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 to use the snooze and to play around with the notifications and to not, not get everything. And we, 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 we uh we promote this thing called GSD, which is get get bleep done, and uh, it it to put that in your calendar and synchronize with your team and have those be times where you're not not bothering each other. Like it's okay to turn off Slack. It's okay to have your quiet time. We're not in the you know medical saving life business. Nothing is going to happen in those two hours. I always call it airplane time. Like somehow when I'm on an airplane, no one can bother me and nothing, you know, it's never a crisis. Um, so, so, so treating that like airplane time. And then the last thing is I think really, and, and I talk about this separately as a best practice in, in elevate and physical capacity, but in, in, when you wake up in the morning, like don't turn on your technology. Don't jump on the computer for, for half an hour. Go read, write, have your coffee, create some space. Same thing at night, like like wind down, don't do it. And, and the other tip that someone gave is like, you don't have the transition time, particularly if you have a lot of kids at home. So I even struggle with like, get off a call at six o'clock, walk into dinner, and I haven't had the decompression time. So I, I'll just take the dog and go walk him around the block for 20 minutes. And then like, that's a little bit of my commute. Home. I, I, I like, I need to change. All of these things are about creating some change between work mode and personal mode. Yeah. And, and it's a totally different conversation in person. They probably will, will have, a, will meet once you've walked the dog than coming straight off a work call as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny just, you know, back, back in the day, um, uh, my my old man, I used to go around his office, and they used to have a thing called red hatting. Um, you know, the GSD get bleep done time, and, and it was basically they would wear a red cap. So you have like sixty people, and you'd see a couple of these red caps. It was don't go, don't talk to me. I'm I'm doing stuff I need to do. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Now it's just noise canceling headphones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's just um, obviously, and and it was you couldn't abuse it, so you couldn't, and you couldn't always wear the red hat. And I, I suppose in some ways it was so you looked like a bit of an idiot wearing this red hat. Um, so people would would, would leave you alone. I think there's something to be, be done around the GST kind of stuff now where actually, yes, you might be bombarded with no, turn off the notifications, do a snooze, but actually give people room for two hours or three hours whenever they need it to just do that, do the stuff they need to do. Um, but no, th- thanks for those tips on actually creating boundaries. It's so important. It's something, you know, I've, I've, I've been working uh, out of a home office uh, and, and other offices on office for six years and it, and it's a challenge. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of people, and I was saying to my team uh, only last week that I feel like well, I'm disconcertingly calm in these times because I feel like the whole world's just moved into an environment that I've got, I've been in in the past, you know, five years, and it, you know, it's, it's the whole world shifting to what we've been doing, um, and you know, it's, it's 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 almost quite comforting that people are. Are doing what how how we've how we've been doing it so and um, it does take some retraining of your family like i'm actually pretty good at tu- tuning the world out but sometimes my wife or kids struggle where like i'm physically there but i'm not i'm not available right <laughs> and so you got to develop that like you know is this a good time like kind of like you call someone at work and you'd say is this a good time i think when people see you physically there they assume that you're available 
Exactly. Well, well, my future wife's retrained me brilliantly. So uh, I was awful. I was awful because of the different time zones that we operate in. That I, I could be on the whole time. And uh, no, she's she's done a good retraining job on me. That's for sure. Um, you know, so I, we might have covered this a bit, but you know, what what are the permanent changes businesses will experience in, reg- in regard to engagement experience because of because of the pandemic? Yeah. Look, I I think right now. What's interesting is that businesses are really putting their employee welfare first, right? Suddenly they're worried about jobs and health and all this stuff because there's a crisis. I I think they should be worried about those things um, sort of regularly. Uh, I I also think people are going to, they either have a trust deficit that they're going to come out of this or they're coming into this with kind of a trust bank that they're able to use. But I, I think a lot of leaders are learning about whether, how their communication style is, is effective, right? We have... Um, you know, a governor, you know, in New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo here in the U.S., who really wasn't known outside New York and really wasn't that liked in New York because he's actually a centrist. So both parties don't don't love him because he, he's in the middle. Yeah. And, but man, he, he has just he started these press conferences and now people around the world are watching them every day. And, I do. and yeah, and this is, you know, leaders, you know, rise to the occasion. I mean, his press conference is just a playbook in how you in how you lead. So, and, 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 you know, Vegas has him as the third most likely person to be president of the U S now. And, and, and wow. So, wow. So you, you see how like people react to this and, and, and they need this. And I think, um, so, so yeah, I, th- I think people are going to think how people work, what's important. You know, this is a massive exercise in essentialism for organizations too. Like, Hey, can we get more done with less? Like, do we need to be doing everything we're doing? Like, uh, it because it, look, results matter now, not inputs. Like you don't care that someone works fourteen hours a day. You care that they come up with the idea that you know saves your business or saves revenue or saves a job. So um, I, I, I do think there'll be a lot of uh, lasting changes um, and some good, some bad. I, I, so a lot of organizations won't survive because as soon as the people can leave that leader <laughs> that, that they just got through, you know, if they haven't. Uh, been asked to leave already you know they're gonna they're gonna want to gravitate somewhere else I I also saw a friend of mine in HR posted kind of it was a meme but it wasn't meant to be a a joke about how the number one question you know candidates will probably ask in a year or two is like tell me about what your COVID-19 response was you know to your employees yeah um no it's very true and you you know that talking about trust and you know the boy who cried wolf almost it's um, if you trust in what your leaders are saying, you'll tune in more, uh, you'll learn more, and, and, and you'll probably be more engaged, work harder. Uh, you take Cuomo, who's just literally giving giving facts, uh, details, and that, even though the news daily is bad, um, it, it's, it's soothing knowing that there's transparency there. Um, and this is not an a, this is a political podcast, an apolitical podcast. Um, but last night. Um, uh, the president uh, calls calls a, poco- uh, a press conference on COVID, but for the first forty five minutes, it's got nothing to do with COVID. So the danger there is Americans tune out um, because they're not going to get Fauci and Burks and and the information they need. So there's leaders and what they say when they communicate is very very important. I think there's two great examples there in Cuomo and and, and the president. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why people are choosing to watch Cuomo's. I, th I think you nailed it. Uh, I just two other things. I think what he's done is it's fact. He's measured. He's acts professional. You know, he 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 sort of looks the part. The other two things, though, I think it is is that he has empathy, right? Like, look, a hundred thousand people are going to die, and this is a tragedy. But I'm telling you the truth. But then he also talks to people about what they can do. Like, that's the key thing. Like, I need you not to panic. Here's what you can do, and that's the same. That's the same thing that employees really need more than anything right now. They need to know the truth because they need to know what they can do and where they can help. They feel helpless in these cases, particularly when they're not being communicated with. They're waking up in fear every day. Their their spouse has been laid off. And, and you know, telling them how they can help the organization and what they can do is extremely empowering. Exactly. Well, people need a sense of control, whether it's whatever whatever that control looks like. So, you know, and and the whole point of empowerment, my whole... I keep going back to this in 2020, my whole opening gambit in 2020 where our UK gala dinner was a trust and empowerment. <laughs> and uh, it's never been more important, empowering people to do what they can when they can. And and and, and now people are being made to trust them uh, because everybody's working remotely. And, and like I say, I don't like the term the new norm, but if that's the new norm where people are instantly a given trust rather than having to you know earn it, which is bullshit, um, <laughs> uh, uh, then, then fantastic. That, I'm all for I'm all for that phrase at that point. Um, I suppose what, one last thing. Uh, well, it doesn't have to be the last thing. Um, but in, in your in your uh, in your newsletter last week, something uh, hit me. You were talking about the sociological principle of normalization, uh, and then you you, you you used an example that I I, I thought it'd be great to talk talk us through that and and what that might mean. Yeah, so so you know it's interesting how all the dots connect. Steve Jobs always talked about the dots of his life connecting a lot. Like he was, he loved calligraphy when he was fifteen. He never understood how that would apply to anything he was doing. Um, but I, you know, what I realized was, you know, and, and and this was looking at my own like physical emotion. You know, watching the news two weeks ago sort of was like paralyzing, right? This is just it's just absolute fear. And then you start to see the same gloom and doom and death tolls every day, and and, and you start to sort of um, adjust to it, you know, a little bit, and it just doesn't have the same impact. Initially, we're sort of fighting that this thing is is upon us, um, and and so I, I I thought back to when I was touring the Churchill War Rooms on one of my trips to London, and they and they talked about the German Blitz, and they said that you know the the Germans thought they would just bomb London every day and every night, and it would just you know beat the people into submission and they would surrender. And what actually happens is, and the same as COVID, you know, uh, more on the health side than the economic side, I think that's, this is, that's more widespread right now, but is, is people would wake up every day and 99.9, you know, 5% of them wouldn't die from a bomb. And, and so it, it just became the normal, like bombs were falling. I didn't die. Like it actually made them more resilient. I, yeah, I, I think I think it's quite scary how how quickly that that process takes place. We I was supposed to fly to Rome um, this the, well, last month in March for a birthday present, uh, going to go watch the rugby with my future wife. Um, and Northern Italy was getting progressively worse and being locked down. We weren't really sure how how serious it was, really, because our own government was was we we're all two three weeks behind Italy. So you're three weeks behind how how serious you think it might be. Our flight to Rome got cancelled, and then you saw the streets of Rome and it, all the you know the Trevi Fountain, not a single person there. And you're going, well, that could never happen in Britain. And now 
London is is empty and I'm cycling around doing my one bit of exercise a day and there is not a car or a person around and it's the new it, like it's 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 wow that's happened here and then you see Fifth Avenue and it's empty and you're going well, all these things that you couldn't ever possibly imagine now aren't that shocking and, and, and right it sounds like it sounds bad but I I think normalization is important right because in order to do what you need to do and deal with it you need to not wake up in terror from from what you're what you're seeing you know every day yeah it's sort of acceptance of okay we are where we are and 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 now what do i do and i think you know the faster that people have gone through the normalization process the more they are focused their energy on you know not what they've lost but like what comes next absolutely so this might be a bit of a a, a way to, a bit of a downer but it could be positive you know what what are the b- biggest mistakes organizations can make right now or, or avoid um during when transitioning to to their remote environment and i think that's a good place to, to finish it yeah so so in terms of uh going remote i i think the biggest mistake you can make is like uh, you have to adjust is assume that whatever you were doing before just works remotely so so meetings you know, on video, like they can't be asynchronous. You don't want to have a meeting where one person's talking all the time. Like, I think you can, if it's just someone like reading an update, you could do that asynchronously. Send people a video, send them a note, send them the, the details. I, I, there's distractions in the meeting. So people need to, it needs to be engaging. You should not have a video meeting where someone is talking the entire time, right? That could have just been an asynchronous video. When I, when I want to deliver kind of a note or a thought or a message to our company, these weeks, I just send a video to everyone. They don't need to jump on a call at the same time and organize to listen to me um, talk the whole time. So, so I, I think that is the, you know, that's the um, biggest mistake I think people make is not like adjusting their, their their cadence and their systems. A great thing I've seen everyone do, and the adjustment that I love the most is just this normalization of like. If a kid runs in a background, like like don't stiff arm them, like you know, <laughs> pick them up, put them on your lap, have them say hi. Like everyone's in the same boat. Like it, it's actually a great humanization. That's been a change for us. So normally we have a rule that like when we're at home, like if it's an internal call, anything goes. But if it's an external calls, we have a lot of clients who haven't known remote work and don't, you know, they, you know, we say, look, you can't be at your kitchen, you can't have kid, like you need to be professional looking and in a professional environment. We, we have relaxed that because everyone is in the in the same boat now, and I think I think it's created some nice human moments. Uh, have you did you see the BBC interview about two years ago where the in, the, the man in Hong Kong? <laughs> yes, yes. And have, you, have you seen the meme that's come out now with with the reverse of the mother's on the call and then she just picks up the kid and starts feeding? Uh-huh. <laughs> that's funny. I did see that a long time ago. It was really funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the way they've they've just done a they've just done a meme when reversing the the gender, and it's actually incredible. And it, because in, in relation to what's going on right now, so I'd search out that meme. It's really really good. <laughs> um, so any, anything else that companies should try and avoid? Yeah, I I, I mean, I would over communicate. Um, I everything I've heard from people is they they most you underestimate how much communication that they need during this time, and you got to figure out the right format. What what's meeting versus email versus asynchronous video? I really would encourage people to, you know, if you have a large workforce, like and and if you got an update or whatever, just take the cell phone, take the video, send it. You know, it has it has your emotion in it. I've done them when I'm tired, and I'm like, look, I'm exhausted, like you guys, but here's here's what I'm working on. Um, 
and and I, I do think they should. Uh, I would really avoid silence because you know the water cooler is bad in the office when everyone's together. You do not want a virtual water cooler where people feel like you know they don't have enough information. So I, I don't think you can over communicate during these times. Fantastic virtual water cooler, very very good. Um, well, look, it, like I say, it's been an honour. Um, I've long long followed you, read, read the book. We'll continue to follow for years to come. Um, and I've got a few ideas that maybe the uh, coming down at the end of the year that I, I would love to talk to you and your your team about actually. So um, I'll do that another time. But thanks very much for your patience in every which way possible uh, over the course of the past couple of weeks, Robert. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Uh, no. So if people are interested in learning more, uh, sign up for Friday Forward uh, or the Elevate podcast or the book. It's all at Robert Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much, Robert. Thanks to everybody that's listening. Uh, we'll be back again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.